the professionals of professionalism proudly present Lewis Howard Live. Your crisp communicator with principal insights for pop culture with a tech edge. And now a man who needs no introduction, Lewis. Thanks, Com. This is Lewis Howard, and you have tuned in to Lewis Howard Live. We got another conversation for you. It's fast and furious. It only gets more fast and more furious to help you become the best version of you, yourself, and your future. Thank you for being part of the conversation. And we always like to welcome new listeners from around the world, Japan, Philippines, Italy, uh, boy, um, Canada, they just keep coming and coming, and we so appreciate every new listener for being part of conversations. They may be a little bit difficult these days that we're hearing, but we are still having up conversations to keep you moving in the direction that you want to go. We will get through this. This will end. Now, how it ends and where it ends, and what it looks like when it ends. But it will end. It always does. And so I want to encourage you to stay up, stay strong, and keep going on. Today I want to talk about comfort, correction, and opportunity. Anytime you have a crisis, there is a need for comfort. There is a need for correction. And then there is the opportunity, right? And so we don't think about all of those aspects when you're in a crisis, but it's virtually impossible to believe that we will ever have business as usual after this or that when this is over, we'll go back to life as before. That's probably not going to happen, right? Just not simply, it's not. It's been too much damage done from this that will cause us to have to comfort and correct and build new opportunities out of that. So you don't have to be glued to the television or a device or news to know that the contour of our lives and our worlds relationally, socially, health-wise, and economically will change. And if it hasn't changed for you already, it will. There's no way for it not to with this uh, major of an issue. No human being on the planet knows where our lives will be like in a year, two years, or ten years from now when this thing is over. So we're living in the moment. We have to make decisions with the information That we have. And let me just say here's a group I don't like. I don't like armchair quarterbacks. I don't like people who sit on their couch on Monday quarterbacking the game that was played on Sunday, right? We're not playing football, but if we were, that's what goes on. 
right? And so you got a group of people, what they like to do is they like to criticize decisions and choices after the fact. Have you ever made a decision and then somebody criticized your choice and a decision and they weren't in your shoes, right? I thought about this today as I was preparing to do the show. You make decisions based on the best information, the best counsel, the best wisdom that you have at the time. You don't make it based on six months, a year, five years, 10 years. It's it's virtually impossible to do that. So when we get through this, we're going to have a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda people. Shoulda done that. I would have done that. We could have done this and that. But really, you got to take the information at hand. And that is the only thing that you can make a decision on. Unless you're a Nostradamus, okay, or a prophet or a muse that can see the future and call it, you're a shot caller, great for you. But most of us are not. We have to take the information that we have. So I just want to say that because I know it's coming. And when we're through with all of this, there's going to be lots of criticism, lots of blame, and lots of ping, f- finger pointing. But right now, folks, we got to get through this, right? Uh, we want to have something to get through that we can fight about later. But right now, we got to get through this thing and beat this enemy that is an invisible, terrorist, destructive, evil enemy that is all of our enemies. It's not one party's enemy or the other party's enemy or one race's enemy or the other race's enemy or one country's enemy. It's all of our enemy. And we've got to stand together as individuals, as countries and nations and beat this thing uh, in the ground. Right. We'll have success stories. We'll have healings. We'll have these things that comes. You know, Sunday is going to come. Right. That's a term that is a, a term that uh, people have used when it's dark on one day. But Sunday's coming. A better day is coming. The silver lining will come, right? It will come. It always does. History teaches us that it will come. Ask anyone that was part of the civil rights and the segregation movement of the 50s in America. Many people lost their lives. Many people were lynched. Many people were burned. Many people were just destroyed. But Sunday came, right? Good came, right? Go back to the Holocaust. When you think about the millions of people that were just destroyed because of one person's evil in his heart, but goodness eventually came. Pain came, but goodness came along. So today I just want to take a few aspects in today's show and talk about just some areas that we're going to have to deal with right here and right now. We will get through where we are, but we got some things that we have to to face and deal with that right here and right now. Number one is comfort. There are people right now that are hurting, right? Even before this thing started, there were people that were hurting. We had a homeless problem in America. We had people that had fallen to the bottom and have not gotten up, right? We've had economic issues around in different 
countries, Greece and other nations had problems going into this thing. It didn't get better. Those problems didn't suddenly go away. We just stopped paying attention to them. They were no longer the headlines. Um, In America, we had an opiate epidemic. Thousands of people were losing their lives to opiate overdoses. So we had some problems going into this. We had rampant uh, homicides in major cities, Chicago, New York, different places where it was just rampant. That didn't go away, right? So we came into this needing some comfort, needing some help uh, to to support us through the things we did before COVID-19, right? So what's comfort? Comfort is a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint, right? The easing or alleviation of a person's feelings of grief or distress. Any time you're in any one of those places, you need comfort. You don't need to know the facts. You don't care about what's going on across the street. You have been hit in your own family. Some of you listening to this show have been hit. And you need comfort. You need somebody to tell you, hey, it's going to be all right, right? We don't know how it's going to be, but it's going to be all right. And so when people go through crisis, they need their friends and family to help them. Because many people have lost friends. They've lost business associates. They've lost family members. And more will come before this is over, right? So we need people to help us ease the pain. Come walk with me, come talk with me, to spend some time uh, easing. I know firsthand what it's like to, to need comfort. Before this began, 30 days before this began, I lost my only son. Going into this, I needed comfort. I needed the easing of a pain that only a parent who has lost a child can feel. That's comfort. I needed to ease this. I needed to some understanding going into this thing. And now, all of a sudden, I'm seeing my fellow citizens around the world succumb to this crazy disease. And now they need comfort. But I understand firsthand what the need for comfort is. Because... It is a pain that is very deep. And I know many of you that have listened to the show, you've experienced it, you know. But that's what it takes to um, get somebody through. I needed a friend. I needed people to call me. I needed people to reach out. And some people were uncomfortable having that conversation with me because they didn't want to talk about that. They didn't know what to say. You know, and then they would say kind of off the wall things and say, well, I can't imagine what you're going through. I don't want you to imagine this. I don't want you to have to experience this. I don't want you to know what this is like. So how do we comfort people really makes a difference. And sometimes many of us are just not good at comforting. 
We're just not wired to comfort. We're wired to harass people. We're wired to criticize them. We're wired to write nasty things about them, half-heartedly compliment them, but we're not wired to comfort. We get uncomfortable. We get weird. I like the social distancing thing. We get weird because we just don't know what to do and we don't know what to say. But that doesn't lessen the need for a person still needs comfort. So part of our jobs as human beings right now is to find ways to bring comfort to those that are needing to be eased of the distress, free from the pain that they are going through, right? So think about that, right? In your life, in order to have the ability to provide comfort, you have to have empathy. And if you don't have empathy, then you cannot comfort someone, right? Most of us have sympathy. We're sympathetic through what you're going through, but... I'm not empathetic because I've never been through what you're going through. I don't know what that's like. So therefore, it's hard for me to connect with that. So I can only send you my condolences. I can only say how sad I am, you know, that you lost your job or how sad I am that you lost your business or how sad I am that maybe you lost a family member. But that is simply sympathetic. That doesn't last long. The people that impacted me the most and still are, are the people that showed me a level of empathy, showed me a level of caring about what I went through. Some people didn't even know that I had a son, but they still found a way to empathize with that. Find ways, right? None of us are too big to provide comfort, okay? And if you that big and your ego is that big and that proud, then you probably need to go live on an island by yourself because nobody's above that. Because at some point in your life, you're going to experience it and you're going to need it. If it hasn't come to your door, it will at some point in the future. So let's talk about some ways real quick to bring comfort to people, right? AT&T used to have a commercial that says, reach out and touch someone. That was a whole big commercial. Diana Ross wrote a song, Reach Out and Touch Someone. So the first way to bring comfort is you got to connect. You got to reach out and touch someone. Call a friend. Call a family member. Call a stranger just to check in. Check in on Facebook, instant messaging, Instagram. It means more then you know. When somebody reaches out to you unexpectedly, it brings value to their life. It may be the thing that makes their day. Don't be so preoccupied with your life and your stay-at-home plans and your in-shelter plays and your losses and your pains and your difficulty that you lose the ability to reach out and touch someone, right? Check on them. See how they're doing. I make it a mission once a week to randomly call people just to see how they're doing. Sometimes I will randomly text something to someone positively, right? They didn't ask for it. They didn't know it's coming. It didn't cost me anything, right? I didn't lose any style points for doing that. Reach out and find 
somebody that you can touch. Number two is set up a Zoom call. I think it's a cool thing. I'm hearing people set up Zoom calls with family and friends. Uh, They're doing virtual happy hours. Not my thing, but hey, they're doing it and it's cool. Stay connected. We have to stay connected doing this thing. Don't disconnect. Let me just tell you, I live in a place where the suicide rate is pretty high, right? So don't disconnect, right? People need to stay connected. And you may make the difference in helping somebody by inviting them to a Zoom party, to a virtual cocktail party. I don't know, whatever whatever your thing is. Uh, reaching out to family, especially elderly family members who can't get out, but might can figure out how to get on Zoom. Might be able to figure out how to do a Facebook call, right? That's being proactive. That's finding a way to bring comfort to people that are going through the very same thing that you're going through. Remember, we're all on the same ship right now. So everybody is experiencing this in very different ways. And so some are taking this more harder than others. And so be the person that reaches out and checks in. Hey, I just call. I just want to see how things are going. Right. Right. I'm not looking for saying any great explanation. I just want to check in and see how are you faring through this whole thing? Is there anything I can do? Can I go shop for you? Can can we send you something? What can we do? That's all it takes. And usually that's a five or 10 minute call. You don't have to spend 50 hours on the call just checking in. So if you pick that, that is a great way to find ways to comfort other people. Right. I'm not talking about just people, you know, find a stranger, find somebody you don't know. I had a stranger come up to the place where I was living. I was sitting out, getting some sun, minding my own business, living good on purpose, following the stay at home order. And the guy comes up and he says, hey, do you have any money? And I said, "Nope, I don't have any cash. Then he turns to me and he says, well, do you all have any real food? I stopped and I thought about that and I said, yeah, I do. And I left the party of people that I with. We were still, you know, we were keeping our distances. And I went up and I made him a meal that I would sell. I would serve my best friend. And I walked it down, gave it to him and even gave him permanent utensils he could use. That, my friend, is bringing comfort He will never forget that, especially those truffle mashed potatoes that was given to him. Okay, and that smoked barbecue took eight hours. So that was a that wasn't can of tuna and leftover salad. That was a first class three star meal that he got to take with him. Okay, that's make a difference. I don't know his name. I don't know if I'll ever see him again. But I knew in that moment it was an opportunity in the middle of this that I could bring some comfort. What can you do? What can you do in your spare time, in your extra stay-at-home, shelter-in, quarantine self that could use your tools instead of watching COVID news 24-7, use it to bring some comfort to some people. I guarantee you this. They will appreciate it and they will not forget it. Lastly, create and share stories of generosity, just like what I just did. 
There are hundreds of stories like that going on right now around the world. Create your own story. That's worth posting on Facebook. That's worth posting on Instagram. That's worth putting up on Snapchat, right? Find stories that you can share and make a difference with people. We need to hear good stuff right now. We hear all the bad stuff. We got plenty of the dangerous stuff, but we need to hear some good stories. Hey, what are you doing with your stimulus check, right? What are you doing with your business check, right? Are you using it to make a difference? Are you giving it away? Right now, I am finding ways to help. And we'll talk about that in the next segment, opportunities. But I want to just remind you that find ways to help people. Personally, I'm supporting nonprofit organizations and churches and organizations that are helping families, right? It's what I'm doing every day. So it's my way of getting up every day to make a difference. I'm looking at the face of this thing and I'm going to spit in the face of it by being generous, by making a difference. I'm not going to let it get the best of my mind. I'm going to push it back in any way I can. So I want to encourage you to find some stories And if you can't find some, create some stories and make sure to post them out there so that people can uh, enjoy this. We're going to take a quick break and uh, give a shout out to our sponsors, as we always do. But when we come back, we're going to jump into some areas of correction, not necessarily fun stuff to talk about, but it is correction. Because in any crisis, there is comfort, but there is also opportunities for correction. Stay with us. We'll be right back after these messages. The Millionaire Club Charity is one of Seattle's oldest existing charities. In addition to job placement and employment services, the Millionaire Club provides job training and licensing to help workers become qualified and job ready. From nutritious meals and sack lunches to housing assistance to stabilize their lives. Despite its name, the donors to the Millionaire Club are ordinary citizens with a desire and passion to help fellow citizens overcome the barriers of employment and housing. For more information, call 206-728-JOBS or go to millionaireclub.org. The New Home Council at thenewhomecouncil.com is an independent team of industry professionals working together to meet the changing needs of the new home building industry through education, promotion, and recognition. With over 900 members strong, the New Home Council is passionate about being a resource for builders and all professionals in the new home industry and their success. Become a member today and help support this great cause by going to thenewhomecouncil.com to learn more. That's thenewhomecouncil.com. Hey, this is Lewis Howard. Thank you for joining us. And if it's your first time listening, yeah, it's a tough conversations we're having, but we need to have these conversations because we want to keep you moving in the direction no matter what the conditions, circumstances, or facts are. So we appreciate you tuning in to tell a friend to join Lewis Howard Live. We're on about 15 different places. You can get us 24-7 on demand, smartphone, devices, Androids. You can pick us up. And if you miss any part of the show, you can go back once we're on the download and you can get it. We're talking about 
crisis, comfort, correction, and opportunities, right? So we talked about comfort and some things that you can really do to bring comfort that won't cost you a thing, maybe a little time, little resources, and you can sort of go off from that in terms of how you want to be generous. Our financial situations are all different. Our lives are different. So what we're going to be able to do will be relative. Hey, I hear a lot of you people out there, folks, baking up a storm. I can't even get flour out of the store because people at home baking. Give up some of those cakes. Share the cake. All right. Anyway, so this segment I want to talk about is correction. And what is a correction? A correction is the action or process of correcting something. When I was in school, I would submit my paper to the teacher and then she would send it back to me with corrections. You all remember that. And they used to do it in red, red ink, right? If I misspell it, SP spelling, you know, corrections. So I would have to go back to that paper, I would have to correct those mistakes and then resubmit it to the teacher for another review and a grade. I couldn't just take the corrections and never submit it back because if I did, I was going to fail that. Or hand her back the corrections that thank you, I appreciate that, go ahead and grade it. Probably wouldn't have been good, right? So in life, we have corrections, Right. We, we know that one of my favorite terms in business is called mid course corrections, which means you started out on a course. And at some point in that course, you've got to make some corrections in any crisis. We're first focused on the event. When this event first f- started, we were all focused on what is it? Where did it come from? How do we deal with this? What's going to happen? And we're listening to our leaders talk about it. And we're not thinking about correction. We're just thinking about what is this thing? Let's identify what it is. I remember early on, people didn't take it very seriously. It wasn't really dire. So they didn't change your lifestyle. They didn't change anything. And then we start to see this thing is serious. This thing is disastrous. This thing, um, this pandemic Uh, People didn't even want to call it a pandemic at first. They were reluctant to do that, right? And so you get into the whole political thing, and I don't really do that on my show, but, you know, who said what and who knew what, when, where. The bottom line is this thing morphed into something that was ginormous and threatening to us, right? And so we start thinking about once your adrenaline sets down in something, you start thinking about the new normal, the new adjustment. Right. I can tell people are starting to adjust to stay at home and work from home because they're starting to call more and text more and email and Zoom more and team more. So now they've found a new way to do work. They've got a new normal, even if it's temporary. But this is how they are exist. Our new social distancing parameter. Right. I'm walking down the grocery store and realize I went down the wrong aisle because I didn't follow the arrow. Right. These are new things that it is a result of the event. Right. And so after world events and things of this nature, they're usually uh, individuals, companies and governments. They make corrections. Right. So there are going to be some corrections that's going to be made at, as a result of this. After 9-11, for those who know 9-11 and, and experienced 9-11, The world made a number of corrections. It changed the way we traveled, 
right? We no longer travel the same way after 9-11 than before 9-11 hit, okay? And so it altered how we live. There's this new group that was created called the TSA. We had never had that before, but there was this whole new organization, this whole government organization designed to check us. Remember, they were checking your shoes for bombs and different stuff. That was all a correction, changes that were made as a result of the 9-11 event. The Patriot Act, it changed the way we send and receive money. Right. Many of you may not be aware of it, but the way you send and receive money is very different than how money was sent before the Patriot Act, especially those who have relatives and friends in foreign countries and nations. There's a whole nother level of checkpoints that have to happen before money can change hands. Didn't used to be that. It was a correction as a result of what went on in 9-11. After the 2008 financial crisis, there were corrections. Banks made corrections in their loan programs and processes. You couldn't get things done the same way you could get it done before the financial crisis. New disclosures had to be created for consumers with regard to mortgages after the 2008 crisis. New rules and regulations came in. So corrections happen and they, they no matter what it is, we're going to have to think about corrections, right? So right now we're looking at the government to, to, you know, make the corrections, get the vaccine and tell us what this thing is. And to some, a great degree, they are a responsible party to help do that. And of course, at the state level and city levels, they're all making decisions to help you know everyone navigate safely. They're making changes. They're making corrections to different things. And that's why the rules are changing you know, almost daily still because people are still trying to make corrections and adjust to the event that happened, you know, what, just over a month ago uh, from when we we're doing this show today. But it doesn't stop with cities and states and federal governments uh, and even the president and leaders and prime ministers, kings or queens. We as individuals have a responsibility to also make corrections, right? Sometimes we just put it on the governor, we put it on the politicians, we put it on the the companies and we just expect them to make all the corrections for us. But we as individuals also bear responsibility to make corrections. In a crisis, you have a responsibility to look at your life, audit your life, examine some things and see where we can make Corrections. You can't just look at your life and say, well, this is just a temporary inconvenience for me. And as soon as it's over, I'm going back to normal. That may or may not happen. Right. Some people may or may not get their jobs back. There are companies that may or may not reopen. We know that a number of restaurants may or may not come back. So it is not assumed that anything is going to go back to normal. So as an individual, you got a responsibility to sit down and to determine, is there something I can change here, right? Taking a directive from a government politician, 
and leader and making it like it was your own idea, that is not correction. That is that just par- parakeeting what you're being told to do. We're wearing masks because the government tells us that we should wear a mask, right? It's not like it's our idea. We weren't ma- wearing masks six months ago in public, not normal people, right? I mean, there's certain groups that have always had that issue, right? I know um, in China and places like that, they've always worn masks. But in America, we don't normally do that. So where did that come from? That was a government directive. That weren't you personally making a change. You responded to the directive and made the change. But that's not the kind of correction I'm talking about. I'm talking about you sitting down, being proactive with your own life, your own situation, and say, what can I do to help me, my family, my neighborhood, and individuals and companies get through this, right? Especially as leaders. I'm very proud of the companies right now that one of the corrective changes that they're making is they're, they're giving their employees hero pay, extra compensation for taking on the risk to continue to work in the grocery stores and in the, in the Starbucks and, and be on the front line, law enforcement. People are getting extra pay because they're putting their life in harm's way. And so they should get extra compensation. So I'm very proud of organizations that are taking the lead and doing that. That's not a directive from the government. That's their own individual initiative to make corrections. We're seeing companies change their plants in the sanitizer plants. I, I put a funny post book, uh, Facebook up about a vodka company that was making hand sanitizer. Right. So we're seeing people correct and make adjustments. So everyone needs to make that and not think about the inconvenience. I know many people are just upset because they can't go to Starbucks. It's inconvenient. I'm frustrated. I can't drive to Starbucks. I can't go into Starbucks. Really? Really? That that that's your day. That you you have to be inconvenienced because you got to wait in line. I have people inconvenienced because they have to wait in line. Oh, I can't believe I got to wait in line. Really? Really? Okay. You need some serious correction going on, right? If that's the misery of your day, then you really need to check yourself because you are quickly wrecking yourself. Okay? So taking the time really to think about how do I make the corrections, Right. We're seeing many uh, just content to flow with the confusion and the panic and the endless conversation. They're not planning on making any corrections. We see people that think their lives is still bulletproof because they live behind the gates. Right. That they're financially insulated somehow. Well, this pandemic has taught a few people that you're not. The pandemic gets behind the gates. It is taking the lives of well-to-do financial individuals and it doesn't care. It doesn't discriminate. So you're not safe because you got more money. You may have an additional layer of protection around you, but you're not absolutely 100% bomb-proof. I'm seeing other people party like it's 1999. They're just not going to slow down. They're not going to make any corrections. They're going to keep partying, keep drinking, keep doing what they're doing, and and when it's over, it's over, and nothing's going to happen to me. It's not making corrections. It's not. It's not just putting things on pause and not doing anything, right? Or just resuming like we're not in the middle of the craziest thing we've ever experienced in our generation and lifetime. Uh, not corrections. You got to be thinking about how do I make some corrections, right? And so they may be temporary connect- 
corrections, they may be permanent, but I think it's time that you've got to think about how to do that. All right. So some simple ways to make corrections. Okay. Just some simple ways to look at your life and say, all right, let me just check myself. Let me audit it myself and see where I am, see where my family is and see what we can make. Number one is look at your expenses, right? What can you reduce or cut to help you through this crisis? Right. What can I do to make adjustments? Right. I'm calling people I do business with. Hey, can I delay that payment? Can I push that payment off? I see, you know, certain of the carriers are, you know, delaying payments. I'm taking advantage of all that. Right. Why keep paying full boat if I don't need to right now? If I can cut my expenses and reduce my cash outlay, then I can set aside extra money in case this thing goes on longer than we plan. So number one is looking at your expenses. Number two is challenge yourself and your family to bring ways and ideas to the table to save money, even if your income has not been impacted. I'm talking to teenagers right now. Do you really need everything that you need, right? So maybe challenge them. Do you need, you know, the the iPhone, the latest iPhone, Maybe pass on that, right? Or extra expenses and things that you occur. We're already saving money anyway because you can't go to the nail salon. You can't go to the barbershop. You can't go shopping. You can't get the massages. So in a way, we're already saving money. But can you count how much money that is? For example, I counted, man, I went two weeks on one tank of gas because I wasn't driving every day. That's savings. All right, what do I do with that extra dollars that I am putting in? Can I put that in the bank? Can I save it? So think in terms of that. What can you do? What ideas can you challenge yourself to cut out expenses? My must-haves, my haves, and optional things, kind of put it in those categories, right? And so think about how I can use this this, this opportunity and and create some corrections. Number three is study history. Spend time looking back. What did other people do? Similar situations, different times, but how did they get through? Can you borrow something from them? I borrowed something from Nelson Mandela that I talked about in the previous show, how I find one thing that I could be optimistic about, one thing that I can look up to on a daily basis that could help me through. That was me studying history. What can you study in the history of your family, your nation, and your world that can help you? The one thing that you can remind yourself that you can get through this horrible and challenging situation. Spend time meditating, praying, being quiet to get guidance and inspiration. It's a good time to get quiet, to rest, Right. You're not rushed to have to get up and run out the door. And now you got time maybe to carve out a few minutes. I know it's tough for parents that's got kids at home all the time. But see if you can find 10 or 15 minutes to yourself to just quiet everything. And just so you can hear maybe some thoughts and some ideas that maybe I can't do right now, but I can write them down and I can start thinking about putting those into play tomorrow. Listen to positive mindset people, for motivators, inspiring people, messages, pastors, leaders. Everybody's doing things online. Get a TED Talk. 
get on YouTube, start Googling great messages and positive things that could help feed your soul and feed your mind that could help you. You may come out of this making some powerful corrections that will give you a higher trajectory up to your goals and your dreams and your purposes in terms of what you are doing, right? Write down your ideas and plans that you have when this is over. There are going to be new business models, new ideas, new things come out of this. Yes, there's going to be a lot of new rules and a lot of social changes as a result of it, but there are going to be some profitable opportunities in that um, in those changes as well. Are you going to be a part of that? Or are you just going to go back to life as normal, right? And act like it never happened and nothing changes in your life? Or will you take this opportunity to look at your life, examine yourself and say, how can I make some corrections and some changes that will help me? Maybe this, you know, we can't say never prevent this, but at least allow me to get through um, this better. Most people only have a month's reserve of cash to live on. Right. That's the average person. So if this goes longer than two or three months, most people are probably heading toward financial collapse, even with the stimulus money, because they can't make all the expenses if this gets going too long. And so that's reality. And so if I can stretch out my reserves and cash, then let's do that. Don't go spend that stimulus money shopping online at Amazon. Right. Put it in the bank. Sit it in reserves and think about what would be best to do that. All right. So my final wrap up, if you don't do something with life, life will do something with you and it may not be what you want it to do. So you want to stay proactive. Don't just be a reactive individual. Don't just let the government take care of it. Don't just leave it to the political leaders. Don't leave it to Apple and Microsoft and Google Right. Take charge yourself as best you can in your own life and be proactive. Do what you can with what you can and where you can. Right. That's all you can do. Right. Hold steady. Find ways to stay steady in an unstable world. And you may be impacted health wise and economically through this. But as I said, we will get through this and it will end. So stay steady. Right. Get to the point where you feel confident, even when bad things are still going on around you. I hope that for each one of you. And I know every story out there is different. I'd really like to hear some of your stories of how you are maintaining those. Uh, Feel free to hit us up on Facebook, Lewis Howard Live, and I'd love to share some of those stories. We've got some upcoming stories on generosity that we're going to do, some people that are doing some great generous things. You heard before, Liam McLaughlin with the Clean Water Foundation. Uh, We've got a a guest that's going to be coming way around the world that's doing some great stuff that we're going to invite on the Lewis Howard Live show. And so stay with us. We're going to keep doing this and uh, help you uh, get through this and continue to be the best version of yourself. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you on another edition of Lewis Howard Live.
Lewis Howard of Lewis Howard Live has partnered with Amazon Books to bring you his dynamic, life-changing book. From Here to There is the best-selling biopic journey of Lewis Howard's road from adopted child in poverty to achieving over a billion dollars in real estate assets. Lewis shares his secrets and principles, which helped make his meteoric rise to the top an inspiration to millions. Lewis Howard, From Here to There, available on Amazon Books at createspace.com slash 450-6888. Get it today. The Millionaire Club Charity is one of Seattle's oldest existing charities. In addition to job placement and employment services, the Millionaire Club provides job training and licensing to help workers become qualified and job ready. From nutritious meals and sack lunches to housing assistance to stabilize their lives. Despite its name, the donors to the Millionaire Club are ordinary citizens with a desire and passion to help fellow citizens overcome the barriers of employment and housing. For more information, call 206-728-JOBS or go to Millionaire Club dot org. 